0: Yeah, but I I got a word this morning that I believe God has given me. I want to continue our conversations with Jesus, and I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 2. We've jumped around a little bit, and as I was studying and meditating on this passage, I believe God's given me some thoughts and some words, and today... I've got an expectation inside of me that's kind of like bubbling. And we've preached and we've shared and even this morning we've ministered to people and quite often we minister to for a physical healing, right? That's what Pastor Winona and I have been going for and she's been healed. God has healed her and the physicians have worked and helped and assisted in healing her. And so quite often we look at physical healings, but today I want to look at actually a miracle that affects your life that isn't a physical healing, but it's an actual miracle in life. A miracle is actually defined as something that supersedes or goes beyond the natural laws of science. So if the law of science could explain it or do it, quite often that would not necessarily be considered a miracle. The sun coming up every morning is one of the laws of science. If you stand up there and you decide to take a step off and you fall, that's a law of science called the law of gravity. It's a very grave situation. So there's some laws that happen. But for instance, Peter getting out of the boat and walking on water, that was a miracle because that superseded the laws of nature or the natural laws of life. And so this morning, I want to encourage you and I want to build your faith. As I preach this morning, I'm asking you to to put your mind and your thought towards what I'm saying. And I want you to search inside of your heart and in your life. And I want to go today for a miracle that is actually something that is beyond just a physical healing. But I want to go for a material healing or a creative miracle in your life amen? So I want to show you some verses. I want to read this passage. And then I want you to to believe with me. And I'm going to ask God, as I was reading this and going through this, it's like, if it's in the Bible, I want to see it happening now. Why does it only happen within the confines of of this book within the confines of 1189 chapters or 66 books why can it not happen today so today i'm going to take a step of faith and i'm going to expect something to happen that is written in this book but i'm going to ask god for some miracles for you today and i'm not I, and i want i want to be clear i want to let you know where we're going i'm not going today for a physical healing, although you may receive a physical healing. But I want today to go for a material, creative miracle in your life. Is there anybody that would say, go for it, Pastor David? I'm going to take a step of faith, and I'm going to ask you to take those steps with me. Amen? So why don't we read this passage and then... I'm going to share some thoughts that I have. John chapter 2. We're going to read the first 12 verses. On the third day, and I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, so it may be different than what's up there, but you can put it up there. That's fine, Cora, the English Standard Version. Do you have that available? No. Okay. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And by the way, that's not, he wasn't being disrespectful. As you study this, you'll find out that that was the, the common way that they communicated. And if English had an expanse of words, it would come out in a more respectful manner. When we read it here, sometimes it's like, what do you have to do? This was, he was being respectful. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Hmm, I like that. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then they give them the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we take some time to look in your word, I ask God that you would open our eyes to see you that we would open that you would open our eyes to see the rich riches and the depth of what the Holy Spirit has for us Lord that you would open our eyes to see the promises in your word that you would open our eyes to see the depth of your love for us Lord I ask right now that we would be captive to you and that your Holy Spirit would hover around us And on us, even now, as we take some time to share. And Lord, I submit myself to you and I ask God that I would be honorable, respectful, and reverent to your word and to your name. Amen. I want to take a little bit of time and look at this miracle. This miracle confuses me. Because quite a few times we see miracles where somebody comes to Jesus... He says something to them. They come with a need or a request. They say something to him. He speaks and they're affected. They're, they're touched. And, and sometimes in the miracles that we see, it's very much uh, you come, see me, and I will give it back to you. It's, it's a very responsive or cyclical response. This miracle is very interesting. If you look at the context, what you do is you see that first of all, there's a wedding. Do you know that Jesus likes celebrations? In fact, if you look at what the kingdom of God is, you'll find out that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. A third description of the kingdom of God has the word joy in it. I think sometimes we should have the funnest time in this building. We should have fun, and I'm not talking about putting up silly cartoons that Pastor David's used to doing. I'm talking about enjoying God's presence and having fun in his presence and enjoying the pleasure of his company. So he's at a wedding, and this wasn't a physical need. We've looked at another miracle where there was the feeding of 5,000. That wasn't a physical need. Don't limit God to just a physical need. Put God to the test in your whole life. Don't just say, God, I need, I need a healing and, and, and stay there. God is interested in your whole life. And here he comes along the scene and his mother says, they're out of water, they're out of wine, they're out of what they're drinking, they're out of what they're using. And, and this, this miracle is almost a progressive miracle if you went from scene to scene to scene. Because it starts with Mary and Jesus and the disciples. The next scene is they're out of, out of wine. The next scene, she says to him and tells him that, and he replies, what do I have to do with you? And then instead of going back to the individual, it continues. Sometimes the miracle that you have or that God has for you actually is for somebody else. Sometimes you might just be an agent on the progression of a miracle that God has in store. Sometimes you might just be a contact point, and the miracle flows through you and continues. Because as you see this, the scene is now Mary's talking to Jesus. And then the scene continues, and instead of going back to Mary, he turns and he looks at the servants, or she does, and she says, do whatever they say, he says. And then from there, the next scene is he's talking to those guys, and he says, you just pour water in those jugs. And it continues. They pour the water. Then they're the ones, can you imagine being one of the servants? And Jesus says, now take a cup of water. Or he doesn't tell him take a, he says, take a drink of the, take, take a cup and give it to the master's ceremonies. I have found in these miracles that I'm usually the guy that's going, oh Lord, help me. You know, We have the benefit of reading the whole story and saying, well, I'm on the side of Jesus. I knew the water would be wine. Come on now. Can we be real? Can we be honest? And if I'm standing there looking at that scene and Jesus says to me, take that and take a cup of it and give it to the master of the ceremonies, I'm probably going, he did it. He did it. The whole way I'm thinking, how can I tell him it wasn't me? How can I tell the master of the ceremonies? It's not my fault. Don't kill the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. How can I? And, and he brings it and the progression of the miracle. It doesn't go back to Mary. It goes from the master of the ceremony takes it. And the next scene is he's bringing the bridegroom. Sometimes the part that you have to play in a miracle is one part three or four scenes earlier, but let it progress and let it go through. And the bridegroom is the one that actually the master of ceremony says, wow, what did you do? He had no clue. Can you imagine watching a miracle unfold and somebody getting credit or praise for something that they had no clue actually happened? And then actually the last scene is it says that this was done so that the glory of Jesus could be revealed. Never miss how Jesus is in a miracle. The purpose, the whole purpose of the miracle comes so that he could reveal his glory. Every miracle, and when you read the book of uh, John, the word glory is used more than in any of the other gospels. And the glory... Is actually his brilliance, his goodness. What does the name? What was one of the names of Jesus? One of the names of Jesus. Think about this for a moment, because I I often forget this. But one of the names of Jesus was God with us. Think about that. At this point, there's no recorded miracles of him. We have a picture of him in his childhood. And then there's not very much, if anything, till he hits his time of ministry. And he says to Mary, my time's not yet. My hour's not ready. And at the end, it says that his glory was revealing his glory. And miracle after miracle after miracle reveals the glory, the brilliance, the beauty, the reputation of Jesus Never take credit for a miracle. You might be a part of it, and and what's amazing about these miracles is that Jesus has no problem allowing those around him to be involved with it, but it was so that his glory would be displayed. And what was his glory? His glory was God with us. So when Mary's talking to him, she's talking to God. Pastor Bill Johnson refers to it in a real funny way, the scene of Jesus as a 12-year-old boy or whatever age he was when they went to the temple and they lost him. And they went back two or three days later to find him. And Bill Johnson, as he's talking, and and he just is a brilliant communicator, he just said, Mary lost God. (laughs) But he's God with us. In in Colossians, it says that in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. As he walked and ministered, I believe he did things as man, but what I do also believe is that he did things as God because he was God and he was man, and he was displaying the glory of God. Another thing to think of in this situation and as we look at miracles is the thought that Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. So every miracle that Jesus does and Jesus did and Jesus will do is a display of heaven invading earth. Think about that. This picture is a picture of heaven. We get a glimpse of heaven as this miracle happens. We get a glimpse of the power of the beauty of the awe of heaven and it's come from heaven and it's God with us in the flesh and he is displaying what heaven looks like on earth. Sometimes I think we disassociate some of these thoughts or we compartmentalize them or we put them in a box I'd like you to get rid of that box. I'd like you to take those walls down. I'd like you to challenge your thinking that God with us and every miracle that I see here is a display of heaven on earth, penetrating earth and giving us a glimpse of what heaven looks like, the reality of heaven on earth. Can you imagine that time in history? To see heaven invading earth. The multiplication of the loaves and the fish. Wasn't just Jesus showing off. That was Jesus saying, that's heaven on earth. Him calling Lazarus out of the tomb. Wasn't just him to say, hey, you guys, he's just asleep. Let's have fun. fun." It was him saying, here's a picture of heaven. Life, where there was death, heaven on earth. So as I'm looking at this miracle, I want you to think of, this is a glimpse. This is a snapshot. A one momentary picture. It's almost like Jesus goes, I'll give him a picture of heaven. Here's a miracle. And every miracle he does is a glimpse of heaven on earth. And I believe it's the writer John that says they couldn't contain, books couldn't contain the miracles that he did. He didn't just do the miracles we see in the Gospels. It says there was more than you could even contain. And then not only that, but the very words of Jesus to his disciples, to you and me, to followers of him, is you will do greater things than these. We are agents of bringing heaven to earth. We are agents of those that will say, you know what? This situation needs a glimpse of heaven. This situation needs a picture of heaven. And we are agents of that as we walk with the Savior. So he's at this feast. And I just want to walk through some of these verses with you. And I'm going to give you some thoughts. We're going to start in verse 3. When they run out of wine. It's the very essence of what everybody was enjoying. It was the essence of what everybody was enjoying. And they ran out of it. Practically speaking, that would be embarrassing. Now, I thank God my wife is never found in that capacity because every time we plan something or do something, she plans for me and 16 other people when it's just me and her. When the kids were smaller and we'd go somewhere, it was like we moved the whole house when we went somewhere. We just came back from Hawaii. I wore two pairs of shorts. I had four pairs of shorts packed. I had three pairs of long pants packed. I had 16 T-shirts packed. I wore like four T-shirts, two pairs of shorts. I wore one pair of shoes. I didn't wear socks half the time. Actually, most of the time. But when my wife is involved, there's no way she's going to be caught short. So she cannot identify with... (laughs) this but there would it would be embarrassing here they have this beautiful feast and the very essence of what they were using and enjoying runs out i want you to walk along with me through this miracle through these verses through these scenes because i believe there's going to be spots in here as we walk along this that are going to hit some of you in different areas And at the end of this service, we're going to take a step of faith and we're going to actually do what this passage says. Amen? Mary says to him in verse 3, they have no wine. That's a little obvious. But why is she telling Jesus? Jesus had nothing to do with it. Jesus was an invited guest. He wasn't the guy that planned it. He wasn't the one that organized it. He he was invited with his disciples. Now, some scholars believe that this may have been a relative of theirs, but nevertheless, Jesus... It it doesn't say that Jesus was on the guest list and was this person and this. It just says he was invited with his disciples and she looks at him and says, they have no wine. Stay with me through this here. She brings Jesus into the situation. They ran out of wine. And they, nobody else seemed to think Jesus could do anything. But one person did. And she tells them they have no wine. I don't think she told them that just for the fun of saying they got no wine. I think Mary knew something. Because if you look at the life of Jesus, there was a couple instances where he did things, and it says that she hid them in her heart. She saw things when, she, when he came to them and said, don't you know I must be around my father's business after she had lost him? She took that and she hid that in her heart. She said, There's something. She knew. A mother's intuition, some people might say, but there's something amazing about it. But she brings Jesus into the situation. Here's a question for you. Do you bring Jesus into situations in your life? Do you bring Jesus into situations he's not even invited into? That challenges me because usually I'm like, well, no, I only bring them if somebody says, can you come and pray for me? Then I'll bring them. But she brought him into the situation without saying, oh, Jesus is here and somebody, she just says to him, she looks at him and says, they're out of wine. They're out of the essence of what they need. They're out of this thing that, that is providing enjoyment and providing fun and satisfying people. They're out of that. And she brings Jesus into the situation. I think we need to learn how to bring Jesus into every situation in our life. Well, no, I work from nine to five. Well, what? Does Jesus take a holiday? Now, I believe in working hard, I believe in honoring your boss. I believe that, and I teach that, and I will drill it into you. But it doesn't mean that you park him. In the vehicle, and say, I'll see you at five o'clock, and I hope you don't overheat in the sun. We take him with us. And here the situation is, and she brought him into the situation. As T.D. Jakes would say, sitiation. What's your situation? And the response from Jesus is, it's not my time. What is this to do with me? What have I to do with this? Why are you including me in this conversation? I'm just a guest. But I think that Mary knew something. And I've got a few points and a few thoughts as we walk through this. She brings them into the situation. Why? Because I believe she knew something. I want you, as as we're walking along this this scene and looking at these pictures and these scenes, I want you to stop for a moment. Is there any area in your life that you don't think Jesus is involved with? Is there any area in your life that maybe you've ruled him out? Like... You just don't understand Jesus. Is there any area in your life that you're trying to do it without him? Is there any area in your life that you might say, well, that's not really what Jesus is involved with? The moment we do that, we exclude him and we actually exclude ourselves from seeing heaven coming to earth. We exclude ourselves from seeing God with us. We exclude ourselves from seeing and the opportunity of a miracle. And she knew something and she didn't let that happen. She didn't even let his response of what have I to do with this, stop her. But she put a draw on Jesus when we might have said, what's the use? I'm here this morning, as as we walk through this, I want to build your faith so that you will actually put a draw on Jesus where you would not have thought of before. I'm asking you to think with me and to have eyes of faith that you would say, you know what, in the past, I didn't think Jesus would be involved with this, so I didn't even bother him. Today, I'm asking you to bother him and to say, no, Jesus, I want you to look at this situation. I've ruled you out before. I didn't think you were interested in, but now, you know what? I need you. We sometimes exclude Jesus and God from conversations because we think he couldn't be bothered. Bring him into your situation. You might be the one that knows something that the other group of problem solvers around you doesn't. Have you ever thought of that? A couple weeks ago when we had our hike, There was a car stopped on the road with his hood up on the way to Chilliwack Lake, 25 kilometers up a road, no cell service. And we didn't see him when we went up, but we had to turn around, and as we were coming back, I I stopped. I thought, I can't leave this person here. I don't know him. So I stopped. We backed up, and he says, yeah, we got no cell service. I wanted to take my wife and kids to the park and for some reason it stopped I'm learning we had jumper cables thank God for jumper cables but you know what I did before that I said I'm a preacher and I think God likes to be involved in people's lives and I'm going to speak to this vehicle I meant I I was all in Sometimes we need to bring God into the situation and bring jumper cables with you. (laughs) But we'll never learn this if we never do it. We'll never take the step out of the boat if we never take the step out of the boat. We'll never bring them into the situation if we rule them out before we even get to the situation. Well, he can't be involved with my life because I made a mess of things and it's all my mistakes. You know what? That's probably true. But it's amazing how his grace says, I love you anyways. And these miracles, I mean, he could have said, why didn't they have more to drink planned ahead of time? Like, don't they know how many guests are going to be here? And you're asking me to do a miracle when they should have figured it out ahead of time? Don't rule God out because of our stupidity. Come on. I've done some stupid things, and I thank God for his grace because it overextends and goes beyond my stupidity. Mary says, verse 5, after he says, what do you have to do with me? She says, do whatever he tells you. She knew something. Now, I'm trying to put you in the picture as if you were Mary. I'm trying to make you think as if you were Mary. You are this person that knows Jesus, that you've seen him do things, and you know there's something about him, and you're walking along in life and you come across this situation, and the first thing that comes to mind is, Jesus, they're out of wine. Jesus, we're at a standstill. Jesus, there's a problem here. And the response you get might be, well, we've never done that before. And it might be even a spiritual response. You might feel like Jesus is saying, you deserve it. He doesn't say that, but you might think that. And how do you respond? Once you grab a hold of his garment, you don't let go till you get the promise. And that passage that Charlene shared this morning was Jacob. And he says, he wrestled with that angel all night and he says, I'm not going to let go till I get a promise. And, And his name was changed because he wouldn't let go. And you're in this situation and you might literally be one of a few people. Looking at this situation. And I'm not saying you stand up in front of everybody. And say okay let's take a five minute prayer break. And they've never heard a prayer. But I'm telling you. You think here. And start speaking in tongues. Start talking with the Holy Spirit inside. And saying Holy Spirit give me wisdom. Because you're the God of wisdom. You're the God of understanding. Give me a thought here. Jesus and, and, and I want to bring you into this situation. And you may get this amazing gem of wisdom, what are you going to do with it? You say, do whatever he tells you to do. Now, I want you to understand, you do what he tells you to do. (laughs) Don't do what I tell you to do. Do what he tells you to do. What is Jesus? And and I believe each one of us has a relationship with Jesus and knows his voice and understands that tug and that pull when he's doing something. And I'm telling you to bring you back to that point so when he speaks to you and he says, and, and you don't know what to do, and you stand there like a Mary, you look at that situation and you say, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. What faith? What expectation? What do you expect from God? If I could be so simple as we live according to our expectation. And so many times, I know what I believe and expect from God based on how I'm living. If I don't expect God to do a miracle, you know what? I will live according to that expectation. So I looked at that van that wouldn't start and I had this crazy expectation. I can speak to that thing and it will start. Well, eventually it did. But we need to start with an expectation. We rule God out of the equation before he's even invited in. We don't allow him into these situations because we don't think he can do anything. Mary brought him in because she had an expectation. She had faith. And there's no recorded miracles ahead of time. So it's not like she had this huge track record, but she knew Jesus. She knew him. And she tells him, do whatever he tells you to do. You might be the one that says, I know him. And this situation, I know him. I know him. And this morning, I'm standing here to you, and I'm saying to you, I know Jesus, and I know there's situations in your life, not just physical things, but I actually know that there's things in your life That you need to change the water to the wine. You need a creative miracle from God. You need a physical miracle, a physical change of nature of water to the nature of wine. You need something that is blasé or just regular, brought to something that bubbles, something that has life, something that brings people's faces and causes inebriation. It actually causes people to go crazy. You need something in your life to take you from that and say, God can do it. His name means God with us. Wow. Think about that. Can you imagine walking around with God? I'm, I'm enjoying studying these conversations with Jesus and I'm just trying to pick one story at a time because that's about all my tiny little brain can handle. And God is just showing me and revealing things to me and giving me a picture of a love for Jesus that is growing and growing and growing. I love him in this situation because when his mother says, do whatever he tells you, you know what he does? He responds. (laughs) He doesn't say, forget it. Nah. He says fill them with water. And This morning there's things that you're looking at in your life. Situations that are hopeless. Things that have run out. Things that there's no more. And I'm here to tell you fill the pots with water. Do what he tells you to do. Don't stop doing what he's told you to do. And she says, do what he says. And he responds. Oh, I love him. I love him. Because he doesn't leave me. He doesn't say, forget it, David. He doesn't say you should have planned better. He doesn't say, what were you thinking? He says, basically, here's the solution. Fill those things with water. What I find interesting is those things weren't the things that carried the wine. They were actually the things that purified. They would take water out and wash them. And what's amazing is, as you walk along this miracle, he didn't give them the miracle like that. It was like progressive. He just said, fill it with water. Anybody could have filled those things with water. But when Jesus says, fill it with water, there's something dynamic behind that word. And I love him. Because there's situations that you might think are useless That's run out. The resources are gone. I'm here to tell you, fill your pots with water. What is at your disposal? With Moses, it was a rod. God said, what's in your hand? It's a rod. He says, throw it down. And he showed him his provision. With David, it was his slingshot. And he tried to put on Saul's arm and he said, it don't fit. And he went out and he did what he knew and he grabbed five stones from a brook. That was him filling his water pot. And this gets better and better. Sometimes that instruction that Jesus gives you does not make sense. They ran out of wine and you want me to give them water. This morning I'll be honest with you I gave a hundred dollars in the offering. I don't have a hundred dollars to give. But you've got to do it. You've got to do it in order to receive it. You never will get a harvest if you never plant a seed. You will never get a miracle if you don't take a step out and do what he says. You'll never enjoy the provision if you don't do what he says and fill those pots with water. It does not make sense what my wife and I do in our giving. But I am giving to the king of kings and I know that he will respond. Fill the water pots. But that doesn't make sense because the need is for wine and you're using water. Let him do what he can between the water and the giving to see what happens and how it will turn. And I believe there are some of you here that need a physical change. I'm not talking about some personal body healing today. I believe really strongly that there are physical situations that you are facing that you need to take a step of faith and do what God says and see what he will do. So they filled the pots. You got to do what he tells you. The miracles are found in obedience. They're not found in the argument. Miracles are found in the doing. I've got about 10 minutes left. Are you prepared to stay with me for 10 more minutes? I believe there's some breakthroughs are happening. He says, fill your water pots. It's in the doing that the amazing happens. It's in the doing that the miracle comes forth. It's in the obedience that you see the results. If God tells you to do something that doesn't make sense... As your pastor, I would suggest to you that you do what he tells you to do and learn his voice. I'm learning his voice. I jumped out and I said, Van Start, I'm learning. I'm learning. And pretty soon I'm going to be the best mechanic around. (laughs) Sorry, Adrian, but I'm going to be the best mechanic. I'm not going to call you anymore. I'm just going to speak to that thing. it's in the drawing out they had to draw out of that that the transformation happened that the master of the ceremony noticed the it wasn't water can you imagine carrying that cup <laughs> whether it's 5 steps or 20 steps it's like i'm going to get fired i'm going to get fired It was that Jesus, dude. It's all his fault. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. Hey, here. um, That guy down there said, take a drink. He takes a drink. That's awesome. (laughs) Oh, I knew it was. I knew it'd be. I knew it was. The miracle happens. The transformation happens when you draw something out and you start walking and doing what he's told you to do. Don't be lazy and sit back. But instead, grab on and do what he said. And this was the first time, and I find it interesting, his first miracle wasn't a physical healing. His his first miracle was practical. Who here needs a practical intervention of God in your situation? Because I, I want to initiate something. And if you're, if you're okay to hold your, raise your hands, I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand. But, but if you need a physical, practical solution to a situation you're facing, I believe he can give you wisdom on the job. I, can believe, I believe he can give you supernatural provision. I believe you can, he can say, fill those six pots with water. And you think, this is ridiculous. But as you do it and as you scoop it out, all of a sudden, it changes. And you say, yeah, I started with... Quit trying to figure it out and give him glory. And I believe there's going to be people here this next week that you're going to want to give a testimony because a physical, something practical changed because you did what he said to do. So I want to conclude. And as I conclude, I want to make this practical. I told you the whole time I was going to walk you through something. This morning I want to initiate this. I want to take a step of faith this morning and if you're prepared to walk with me I believe a miracle can happen if I could be as bold to say in this situation if you could picture me in this I'll be the Mary you might not even think that God can help you so I'll stand in there and I'll say I'll be Mary, and and you might have a situation you says hopeless, that's fine because I believe in a God that's hopeful. So I'll stand as if I was Mary, and your waters run out, and I'm going to say Jesus. Their waters run out. So if there's anybody here that feels like your water's run out, I'd like you to stand as, as, as a point of connection, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask God to intervene and to cause your water to turn to wine. I'm taking a step of faith here, but I believe you are too in agreeing And if you have a situation, I'm not talking about a physical healing here. I'm talking about literally a practical situation in life that won't change unless God comes and does something because I see it in his word and I believe his word. And it needs a touch of heaven on earth in your situation. I know Jesus is able. I know I know he's able. So I'm going to stand in the gap for you this morning. And as I stand in the gap for you this morning, I want you to envision and think that you will be standing in the gap for somebody this week. Because what you've heard today isn't just for your situation, but what you've heard today is for you to be able to look at a situation and you're able to call on Jesus to intervene in that situation. And you're going to be able to instruct those people, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. So this morning, you've looked at your situation. And I will stand here as your pastor in reverence to my king, and the only charge I will give you is do what he tells you to do. And that may be different from one person to the next. In fact, I, can, I know it is. But what God is speaking to you, and you say, how do I know he's speaking? He will pull at your heart, and he will cause you to get nervous, and he'll cause you to to sweat, and he'll cause you to think. He's not going to tell you an evil thing to do. He's going to tell you a good thing to do. And he will give you a creative idea. So this morning, I'm asking God, Lord, you're here, and you are able, and I'm standing as if Mary, and I know that you can do something with these empty pots. And I know you're able. So I want you to raise your hands, everybody here. And I'd like you just to say, Jesus, I'll do what you tell me to do. Just tell him that. Jesus, I'll do what you tell me to do. Jesus, Jesus, I will do what you tell me to do. Heavenly Father, this is for your glory. In fact, God, I might be three or four steps removed from a miracle that will happen. But as I see it, Lord... You are revealing heaven on earth in everyone here today. So, Lord, I ask that you would touch everyone here. That we would even listen to you to the point where we would fill the water pots with water, even though we're looking for wine, we would fill them with water. That we would do what you ask us to do. And in our doing, I thank you, God, that the transformation and the miracle will happen. Amen. Amen.